This is blasphemy. This is madness. You're absolutely out of your mind. I think it's absurd. I think it's an abomination. I think it's a disgrace. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You're a jackass. Embrace the madness. Look, we don't ask for much. Just be prepared. Care as much as he does. And play harder than anyone has ever played on every single play. That's all we want. Because no kid chucking the ball around third and shunk dreams of one day playing in the game before the game. You're a rookie? Not anymore. Been here before? Then show them how it's done. We've waited a long, long time for this. That's why this is bigger than 53. It's 67,000 loud. Six million proud. All led by one visor wearing, sideline glaring, screen pass calling, fourth down balling, division leading, running back feeding, salt and pepper son of a gun. So bring it in. Bring it all in. Every inch, every ounce, for every Tom, Dick, and Harry. All we got is all we need. And all we want is everything. We all we got, we all we need. That's right, Philly. That's right, Philly. We are three days away. Three days away. From this team taking the field in the NFC Championship game at the link. This is something that you can tell me you thought this in the beginning of the year and I could call you a friggin' liar because that's what I do. The Philadelphia Eagles are a game away, a game away from playing in the Super Bowl for the first time since the 0405 season. And as you just heard Bradley Cooper say, we all we got, we all we need. Welcome to another edition of the Madness. I am your Minister of Madness, Rob Lange. So excited to be with you this week. So happy to be here to talk to you about an Eagles game in the final week before the Super Bowl. There was a part of me at the beginning of the season that thought when this show would air, we'd be talking about what are the Eagles going to do in this offseason? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be one of these people out here who want to sit here and tell you that they knew from the beginning this team was an NFC Championship caliber football team because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't believe that yet. I knew they were trending in the right direction. And then the season started and they're playing well and they're overcoming injuries and then Carson goes down. And it's up to Nick Foles. And we say, oh, man, their offense looks terrible. How are they ever going to win a game? And then here comes the Falcons and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, and their defense is playing better. I am, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so amped up for what's going down in three days. 
I'm so excited that I will be sitting in the link for the NFC Championship game with a legitimate chance to see the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And yes, it is a legitimate chance. I know there's a lot of people who don't give the Eagles any chance. They're idiots. They're morons. They're jackasses. They don't understand the game of football. And they don't understand this team. And just look at last week's game against Atlanta. Okay? If you would have told me that Nick Falls were going to have to throw for two, over 250 yards, I would have told you just because the Eagles were down most of the game and had to find a way to try and claw themselves back and probably lost. If you were to tell me the Eagles would lose the turnover battle 2-0 and give up 10 points on those turnovers and have them be as bad as they were, I would have told you it would have been a rout, that we would have been out of there by halftime. If you would have told me that the Eagles were trailing at halftime of this game and would only score one touchdown all night, I would have told you there's no chance that they won this football game. But lo and behold, we sit here after a 15-10 victory last week and await the Minnesota Vikings. The team of destiny with the big play and oh, it's their home field for the Super Bowl. People that are saying that have the wrong team of destiny. They have the wrong team that has that special something going on about them right now. Because right now, in my opinion, the team of destiny is the Philadelphia Eagles. And, And you can't say it any other way. Look at what has taken place. Look at how they have found ways to win. Me and Lee Nelson sat in here last week and said if it's on Foles, if he has to throw the ball a lot, they're not going to, there's just no way. If the defense or if, if the offense turns the ball over, they have no chance. Well, Nick still had to throw the ball 30 times. They did run the ball very well, but they turned the ball over twice. One, when it's the beginning of the game, they have all the momentum and bam, it's a fumble. And two, they give the Atlanta Falcons a 15-yard, 20-yard field, and they score a touchdown. Now, I don't know about you, but there's no way I thought that, you know, I remember, I kind of remember when the, when the Brayman fumble happens and, and they go right in and score a touchdown. I remember sitting there because it was right in my end of the field, and I just said, man, I don't know how they could overcome this. As much as they've overcome, I don't know how they can do it. And it's because somebody new or something different happens and steps up and and they find a way. And the defense was incredible. They gave nothing to Atlanta. They gave up 10 points off of turnovers, one of which being on a 20-yard field in which there was the most BS personal foul called Maybe in the history of the game. <laughs> it's a bit much, I know. But they came up, and and let's be honest. I sat here last week and said my biggest fear was Doug and, and will he do the right thing. Not only did he do the right thing and stick to the run and try and get 25, 26 rushes out of the game, but he made an adjustment that no one is talking about. Yes, the Eagles only scored 15 points. Yes, they had to kick three field goals in a row after scoring a touchdown and missing the extra point. But on those drives, 
not so much the one at the end of the half, but in the second half. They saw that there were opportunities for Nick Foles to make short pass plays and and move methodically down the field and hold the ball for eight minutes here and six minutes here and nine minutes here and keep Atlanta off the field and give their defense a rest. So that when Atlanta got back out on the field, even if Atlanta was able to string together a couple first downs, the defense wasn't going to let them get more than a couple. It wasn't until the last drive where they actually got deep into the Eagles' territory. I am, I am just so overjoyed. I am so enthused. I am so ecstatic about this team. And it goes beyond just the moment. Like, I am living in the moment. I, I am here. I am sold on living in this moment. But this team is built so well. And you have to credit Howie Roseman, who just won executive of the year. You have to credit Doug Peterson, who just got screwed on not getting coach of the year. To, to build this team that even without Carson Wentz and Jason, I'm not going to, you know the names. We've talked about this. Even without all these guys, they are not only in the NFC Championship game, but have a really good chance to win the NFC Championship game. Look at how other teams falter when their starting quarterback goes out. And the Eagles are definitely not the same team. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, the the naysayers say Nick Foles threw no touchdown pass. He didn't really do much. I say he didn't throw a pick. He had two plays where he almost fumbled the ball away and was fortunate to dive back on the football. And then after that, he just managed he managed it perfectly. Perfectly. I mean, look at where we are. Look at where we are. With a team that last year was 7-9 and nine and people said, oh, Doug has to play coach for his job this year. Doug just told us all to go to hell in his own very nice way. I mean, he, he, this guy has exceeded all my expectations, regardless of the outcome on Sunday, he has exceeded every single expectation I could have had for him. And I didn't know how much I believed in the whole idea of a player's coach, but my God, did these guys not go to war for him? It's impressive. It's impressive. And we're going to continue to talk about this game and leading into the game in three days and, uh, you know, really delve into, you know, the fact that the Eagles could be in the Super Bowl. The Eagles can be in the Super Bowl. They're a Super Bowl caliber team without Carson Wentz. And that's the key. Because forever I thought they were only a Super Bowl team with Carson Wentz. And I firmly believe now because of this defense and because of the way these guys play together and play for each other, they're a Super Bowl team without Carson Wentz as well. But I don't like to do this by myself. Unfortunately, we're not able to get a guest host in for this week. But I got a couple guests coming on the show to join me today. Uh, good friend of ours, one of the best NFL analysts. You know, you can follow him at Albright NFL on Twitter. Benjamin Albright will join the program to break down both conference championships. And then we'll talk a little bit about what happened in Pittsburgh. I mean, I know a lot of people thought Jacksonville could win the game. But to absolutely manhandle the Pittsburgh defense and for Blake Bortles that put 45 points on the board against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh is uh, pretty damn impressive. 
So we'll bring on Benjamin to talk about both that game and obviously a lot about the Eagles, Vikings, and what somebody from outside the city sees. You know, you hear all these people on the ESPNs, and 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 they're all good and well, but they they don't. I don't think they do their homework enough because I looked on. I don't know if it was NFL Network or ESPN, but someone was going over. Oh, um, you know who has the advantage in the run offense, pass offense, quarterback, blah 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 blah. And they picked the Vikings for every one. Now, I don't know how you picked the – I could see you picking them on the defense, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I don't know how you could say the Vikings' rush offense is better than the Eagles because I totally disagree. The Eagles have one of the top two or three rush offenses in the league for most of the season. So I don't know how you look at what they're doing in Minnesota and say that they're a better rush offense. You want to give them pass offense? Fine. But I, I think there's this this overhype of Case Keenum still. I, and I'm not saying he hasn't played excellent. And he has. And he's won games. And he's done what he's needed to do. But you heard who who was broadcasting their game and calling him like a little Brett Favre in him. What? Come on, man. Case Keenum is not Brett Favre. The only part of him that is Brett Favre as you get some pressure on him, he's just going to throw the damn ball up there and you can get some picks. So we'll talk about all that stuff with Benjamin. And then another great friend of the show, all the way from across the pond, out there in London, the founder of Philadelphia Sports Network, Liam Jenkins, will join the show. And we'll talk all about this and the fact that we've talked to him a couple times this season. And, and, and any of those times do we actually expect that this is what we would be talking about this week. That this is what that we were talking about this team still playing, not what's next for this team. And also, we'll talk to him about how excited he is to see his beloved Philadelphia Eagles in London next year as they will be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars out there uh, sometime, I believe, in October. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it almost leaves you speechless. I, I have seriously sat there and had these conversations with people all week and so many people are just ecstatic, and you just keep saying, is this really happening? Like, it doesn't feel like any other time. You go back to 4 It was the fourth in a row. You were more fearful. It was this idea of, this has to be the year. This has to be it. Right, we've been here too many times. They've got to get over this hump. They can't be the JV Buffalo Bills. And then you, you know, okay, they win, they get the Super Bowl, they lose, and then they're not there for a while. And then in 08, the season was just so dreck. You have a tie in Cincinnati. You get smoked by the Ravens down in Baltimore, and you're just sitting there going, oh. And then all of a sudden, they go on a little run. And on the last day of the season, three things have to happen. All three things happen. And here are the Eagles in the NFC Championship game at Arizona. By the way, beat the Vikings to get there that year and in 04. <laughs> in the playoffs, I mean. And you got to Arizona. And you knew you were kind of like, ah, well, you know, I can't believe they're here. This is great. But there was a party that felt pressure. Well, they got to win this. The window's closing. This team's getting older. How much longer is Dalk here? How much longer is Donovan here? Yeah, there's some young guys. I get it. But 
how much longer can the the core guys that have been here stick around? And they went out there, and it was very typical fashion of of the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC Championship game under Reed. They get fall behind, they come back, they take the lead, but they just can't get the stop they need. A stop's very similar to what they needed against Atlanta that they did get. Because I don't, I know I sat there, and I know I've talked to a few people who said the same thing. When the Falcons convert on fourth and six, I'm sitting there going, here we go again. We haven't had a typical Eagles moment all year. Here it is. Here's the typical Eagles moment. Here's where they lose the game when you're like, oh, they and it's snatched away from you. And no, they they found a way. They found a way. But yeah, so that was 08. This year, just like an 08 kind of came out of nowhere, but it's a young team. It's a team that is still building, and they have pieces in all the major spots, I believe, right now. It's a team that was 7-9 and nine last year, and you wanted to see them get 9-7 and seven if they could this year. And now we're here. And this team is 13-3. and They've won a playoff game. They're at home. They're the number one seed. And they're playing for a trip to the Super Bowl. I... (laughs) It has been such a ride this year. And you just look at the season, how it's progressed. They come out of the gates... They go one-on-one, they lose in Kansas City, and then they start winning. And then it's like, okay, they they win on a 61-yard field goal. And then they win the next week. And then it's like, how do they beat Carolina? I I can't remember exactly where they were. How do they beat Carolina, Carolina on a short week? And they go in there and just manhandle Carolina. And then they go out west, and everyone says, oh, well, now we're going to learn about them. They lose to Seattle, and it's all doom and gloom, and everything is terrible. Then they go out to L.A., the fans take over the stadium. Carson Wentz gets hurt. And Nick Foles has to come in losing the game, might I add. And win the game and win the division. And then they go and they put out a clunker against the Giants on defense. And everyone's like, oh, my God, well, the offense played great. But now what is this defense any good anymore? That's two weeks in a row. They've given up a ton of points. A ton of points. And then the defense wins them the game against the Oakland Raiders. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, now we're seeing the true Nick Falls. How can they ever win the playoffs with him? They have just continued to defy the odds and win the game. They're playing with house money right now, folks. And that's not a negative attitude. That's not me saying they're not going to win the game and who cares. And not. I'll be upset if they lose. I will be upset if they lose on Sunday. But I spent all week just saying, man, he was in the NFC Championship game. It feels a lot like 2001, except for the fact that this team was obviously way better record-wise and they get the number one seed in their home. And they just believe in each other so, so much that 
they, you heard Nick Foles say it this week. We're not doing this for me. We're not even doing it for just the guys on the team. We're doing it for the city because they're, they're invested in the city. Even the guys that have only been here a year get it. They understand the passion and how we feel and what we want. But one of the big things, I we're doing it for all those guys that can't be on that field playing on Sunday. We're doing it for Jason Peters, who hasn't won a playoff game, I believe, in his career. We're doing it for Darren Sproles, who is just a true leader of this team. We're doing it for guys like Chris Maragos, who doesn't get a lot of plug and doesn't get a lot of fame, but was the leader on that special teams unit. Jordan Hicks. And then obviously we're doing this for Carson Wentz. For all the people that said, we can't do it without Carson, we're going to do it for Carson. Because that's a lot to put on somebody's shoulders. And that's what they went out and did on Saturday afternoon against the Falcons. Everybody stepped up their game. Every single person. The offensive line did a great job of keeping people off Nick Foles. They did a great job of just trying to grind on the running game. It wasn't a great running game. It was good early. But they kept going and going and going. And no one stopped. The defensive line... May not have had a lot of sacks, but they had Matt Ryan feeling very uncomfortable. People said, how are the linebackers going to match up on the running backs? Running backs had nice days, but they didn't kill you. The corners, you know, allowed some plays here or there, but once again, never got burned. I mean, this team did not spend much time on the Eagles end of the field on Saturday. And Doug Peterson outcoached Dan Quinn. There was no adjustment made by the defensive-minded Dan Quinn on how to stop these quick run-pass options, these RPOs. Doug did his research, found how he could get Nick Foles into good situations, and put him in those situations, and Atlanta didn't adjust. So it'll be interesting this week because you're going to have a defense that adjusts to that. You're going to have a defense who has watched film all week and seen how Nick Foles runs these RPOs. So what's Doug going to do? But I tell you one thing, I have a hell of a lot more confidence now than maybe I did last week in his ability to make the adjustments and make this thing work. I love how Doug's running this team. I love how he's running this team. I love how this team is embracing the underdog role so much. Where Look at the dog masks. Can we talk about this for a minute? <laughs> Let's talk about this for a minute while we wait for Benjamin to call in. Lane Johnson and Chris Long decided last week that, oh, we're underdogs. Let's buy a couple dog masks and wear them after the game when we win. And they put these masks on. Everybody thinks it's funny. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I have spent countless minutes looking for dog masks all over the Internet. The ones that they wore have been sold out everywhere. And I've heard a rumor that Models is trying to bring them out and, and sell them a little bit more, sell a, a small uh, quantity of them in the stores in the surrounding area. But it's like people are buying those masks. People are buying 
uh, poodle masks you're hearing. I went out. I bought a damn husky mask. And yes, God damn it, I'm wearing it to the game. I don't give. It's going to be so much fun leading up to this game Sunday and during this game Sunday. And I've sat here all week and I've been trying to figure out how I felt. Can they win? Can't they win? Will they win? And as I sit here today on Thursday, January 18th, I sit here and I say, oh, they can win. And I sit here and I say, I'm extremely confident that they will win. I just have this feeling. And it's not an X's and O's thing. I mean, I want to talk some X's and O's, though, because I think these two teams are very similar. I think these two teams are very evenly matched. There's no secret that the Vikings' defense has been incredible all year. None. They've been incredible all year. They've been excellent. But the Eagles' defense has been damn good, too, and I feel like no one's talking about that. I feel like no one is talking about the fact that the Eagles still have the fourth best defense in the league and have the number one rush defense in the league. I I, I think that people are sleeping on that. It's kind of frustrating. And guess what? I think the Eagles know it, that people are sleeping on their defensive statistics. And I, I, I... you look at the offenses. We'll come back to D. There's so much to talk about on the defensive sides of the ball for both teams. But you look at the offenses. I think they're very similar. I don't think they're great. I think they have some good skill position guys. Maybe the wide receivers tend to be a little bit better for Minnesota with Thielen and Diggs. But I think the Eagles' core, when you bring in and Rudolph, I guess, but then we have an Ertz and Alshon and Aguilar is still very comparable. They're not bad. I think the Eagles have a little bit better running backs with Ajayi and Clement and even Blunt in the playoffs. I think both lines are good. And I think you have two quarterbacks that can manage games. I don't think either one can necessarily go out and win you games. I still will say that about Case Keenum. Because what I saw from Case Keenum last week was a guy that when it got a little tight, he did too. And everyone says, oh, first playoff game jitters, but he played so well for most of the game. I think at the end of the day, this game comes down to what we talked about last week. Who wins in the interior? Which offensive line gets the better of the opposing defensive line. And I like the Eagles' chances in a battle like that. I like the Eagles' chances in a battle like that. Their offensive line has been incredible all year. Lane Johnson and and Brandon Brooks on that right side in pass blocking have been impeccable. Jason Kelsey has rebounded like no other. Big V has made mistakes, there's no doubt about it. But he's held his own okay. He's got a really tough matchup this week. Everson Griffin coming off of that side is a really tough matchup for him. There's no doubt about it. But 
and and then Wisniewski, you you saw the difference between the offensive line with or without Wisniewski. I mean, this guy's made a difference. I'm stunned. I'm stunned that he wasn't named the starter in training camp, but I'm glad he's there now. I mean, I look, I look at the stats. I look at the games that Minnesota's played. They've lost, they lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Detroit at home, by the way. They lost to, and I think their third loss came later in the season when they lost to Carolina at Carolina. Their other road game, Chicago, not a great team. Cleveland, not a great team. Washington, not a great team. They won at Detroit. Tough place to win game, yeah. Impressive win at Atlanta. And then they beat Green Bay, not a great team. Yes, Minnesota has been good all year, but I don't know if they have been tested against a team as good as the Eagles on the road since Pittsburgh, Carolina. But I think the Eagles are better than both of those teams. And notice how I'm saying as a team, better than both of those teams, because that is what I think is happening in the national media and the negative people in the area. They're not looking at this thing as a team. They are harping and focusing on one guy at one position. And yeah, it's an important position, the quarterback position. But this team is not Nick Foles. This is not Green Bay where the team is Aaron Rodgers. This team is about defense. This team is about blocking this team is about coaching. It is a full team effort. And giving credit to Minnesota, they're the same way. But I think when you have even an even matchup like this, I don't think it's wrong to say that playing at home against a team who's outside as opposed to playing inside at home gives you a distinct advantage to win the game. I think the Eagles should win the game. I'm that confident that I can make that comment. And I'll give you the prediction, the, the score prediction later. I'm obviously telling you I believe the Eagles are going to win the game on Sunday. But this game, to me, comes down to who wins in the trenches. And I like the Eagles O-line versus the Vikings D-line better than the other way. Not by much. Enough, though, to win the game. Enough to control the clock. The other key for the Eagles is those possessions that ended in field goals last week need to be touchdowns this week. If that happens, if that happens, Not only do I think the Eagles are going to win, I don't think it'll be close. In my opinion, the Eagles have to score 17 or more points in this game. If they score 17 or more points, they're going to win the football game. That's that's the way I feel. 17 is the magic number. Because I don't think that Minnesota will score more than 17 points in this game. If they do, 
Credit to him, and it could end up very differently than I believe it's going to end up. But I don't think they're going to score 17 points in this game. That means I need two touchdowns from the Eagles. At least two touchdowns from the Eagles. What I'm looking for is three. The Eagles put three touchdowns on the board. It's a lock. The game is over. The game is over. And I don't even know where this conference is coming from because I'm not naive. I know that Nick Foles isn't that good. I I, I get it. But (laughs) I just feel so good that the Eagles have a legitimate shot to be the winners of this game. You know, but the other thing I want to get back to is the defensive side of the ball. Why is no one talking about or discussing the Eagles' defense and what they have done? Why is all the talk, the Vikings' defense... I don't think the Eagles defense is that much worse than the Vikings. In fact, I think they're very similar. Maybe the Vikings have better a better secondary, better corners. But I think the D-lines are even. I think maybe the Vikings have, you know, uh some slightly better linebackers as well, but that front four for the Eagles makes up for so much of the for lack of a better word deficiencies of the other groups in that defense. And Nigel Bradham has been unbelievable all year for the linebackers of the Eagles. It just pisses me off that, like, everyone sits here and goes, well, the Eagles can't win the game. Look at Minnesota defense. Well, why can Minnesota win against an Eagles defense who has been great all year and at home is giving up 15, I think, under 15 points a game and has given up 10, 10, and 7 or 6 In their last three at home. It, it, it baffles me, actually. It really does. It, it baffles me that teams are not talking about the Eagles defense and especially, especially the Eagles defense at home, which has been impenetrable. No one has scored against them at home. No one. Just look at the scores at home this year for the Eagles. The Giants score 24 points. The Cardinals score 7. The Redskins score 24. The 49ers score 10. The Broncos had 23, but they only had 6 for most of the damn game. 3 for most of the damn game. The Bears score 3. Then they go on the road for 3 to come home, and it's 10 and then 6. And then obviously the Falcons just this past week with 10. Okay, so that means the Falcons game, the Cowboys game, the Raiders game, the Bears, I'm going to count the Broncos and the 49ers. In six of the eight games, they've held teams under 17 points for the most part. I mean, why, why, why is that not being discussed? Why can no one give this defense the credit that's due? And maybe it's better because maybe it pisses them off and maybe it keeps them going. And, you know, this team loves to play off the ammo, and I think that's a good thing, actually. I know a lot of people look at it as a negative, but I think that's a good thing. 
Like, for example, I think that they're going to take it to heart that Doug Peterson was not named coach of the year today. And I think it's going to piss him off. I think it's going to make him play harder. This needs to be discussed. This defense is just as good as Minnesota's. They've done just as many good things this year as Minnesota. And I know I wasn't naming some of the uh, greatest opponents at all. But, you know, the Falcons were a pretty good offense. They got 10 points. The Raiders, I know they, they were up and down, but they could score at times this season. They got 10 points. And it's not like the Vikings offense is world beaters, and I don't get it. They're not. Is Case Keenum better than Sam Bradford? Yes. But other than that, I look at this offense and say, hey, they're the same damn team that came in here last year. They're the same team that came in here last year, and the Eagles whooped. And I know it was a different different game, different all kinds of different stuff, you know, played into that. It's a regular season game. It's Sam Bradford. It's but I remember last year thinking, oh boy, look at this Vikings defense, and they're just they're all over the place and they're and they were good. And they held the Eagles to 21 points. But the Eagles held them to 10. The Eagles held them to 10. They were 4-0. Everybody was talking, oh, look at this Vikings team, man. Look at this team. And the Eagles just beat them. Just beat them. So maybe it's a good thing that we're getting no love from the defense. Maybe it lights another fire and takes them to another level. Unfortunately, we just received some word that uh, Benjamin Albright cannot join us today. His schedule got a little bit tied up and uh, threw him off a bit. But So we apologize for those of you who are waiting to hear from him. Hopefully we can get him on the upcoming weeks, hopefully to uh, prep us for the Super Bowl since you know, the Eagles are going to be there, according to what I've said to you here today. <laughs> um, so instead, we're just waiting a couple minutes from now. Philadelphia Sports Network's Liam Jenkins who is the founder of the website, will be joining us and will uh, give us his takes on the Eagles from across the pond over there in London and, and where this team's going to go. Um, you know, it's it's been a hell of a ride so far. I don't think anybody wants it to end. And I'm starting to get the feel in this city that no one thinks it is going to end this week, which is incredible when you think about it. Absolutely incredible when you think about it. Look, we've said it a thousand times, but there's something special around this team. There really is. There's just that moment. And I know in 08, we're like, oh, well, you know, they're the team. They got hot. They're doing this right now. And, uh, you know, who knows? But this team, it's different. And I've said it. Look, I've been a season ticket holder since they moved into the link. In the last year, in the last year of the in the last year veteran stadium I went to every game except for one I have gone to more Eagles games over a 15 year period and I've been fortunate enough to do that than most and the one thing that has always stuck out to me are those games where 
victory is grabbed from you or something happens. You're like, oh my goodness, I've been to 12 or 13 row games. I was there when Matt Bryant kicked a 62-yard field goal to beat him. I was there when they fumbled two punt returns against Green Bay to open a season and lose the game. I was in Chicago when they had like 12 plays from the goal line and couldn't get in and wouldn't sneak it with Donovan McNabb. I've seen them lose in such tragic, tragic ways. And this team just doesn't have that happen to them yet. Every time you're like, oh, here's the moment, or oh, here's the clunker, or oh, here's this, or oh, here's that, oh, there goes Carson Wentz, how can they possibly win? They have found a way. And they will continue to find a way. And that's what's been so exciting about them. I, I just, there's a different feel. There's this idea that they're not going to be stopped. Now, I also believe that a feeling like that doesn't necessarily mean anything once you're in the big game, once you're in the Super Bowl. But I feel like, you know, when you talk about team, because now everybody's calling the Vikings the team of destiny. Oh, look at that play. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about destiny with that play. The safety made a terrible, 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 terrible decision. And I feel for that young kid. I really feel for that young kid. All he's got to do is stay behind him, but he committed himself to hitting him, and then he was afraid he was going to get there too early, and he cowered, and the rest is history. But, you know, I, I the stat came out today that the last four, four or five times a, a playoff game has been won on the final play. It's been a walk-off play. That team has had a lot of trouble the next week, and they've actually got blown out in many of those games. Blown out in many of those games. It's hard to come down off of that. That's not destiny. That's one play. That's one play. The Eagles have had those moments all season long. Both teams have overcome injuries, but the Eagles have overcome more to crucial spots. The Eagles lost the left tackle. They lost their middle linebacker. They lost their probably coming to the season what you thought was their best running back. They lost their quarterback. And everybody said, well, you know, Minnesota lost Sam Bradford. Stop it. We, we all know who's I would love, I would love Sam Bradford to have to come into this game on Sunday. Would love it with the deer in headlights look. Would love to see Sam Bradford come into this game on Sunday night in in January in the NFC Championship game. In the NFC, this team is destined to be in the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think at the end of the day, they will be in the Super Bowl. I firmly believe that. But right now, I want to bring in somebody who's probably just as ecstatic as I am, someone who is just as excited he is the a writer and founder of Philadelphia Sports Network, our friend from over the pond, Liam Jenkins. Liam, you believe this, man? Hey, it's been crazy. Like You could not write a more Philadelphia season if you tried. I mean, if you want to talk underdogs and just the, that sheer kind of unpredictability, this season's just been a fairy tale. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying, Liam, when I introduced the show, I've had you on. I had you on at the beginning of the season before it started. Had you on somewhere in the middle there. And I said, when we talked then, I don't know if either of us thought that this was even a possibility 
just talk about you know how this thing has unfolded and 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 you know what you've thought about it covering it the way you do it's really for me just been learning so much about the culture within that locker room and it's been said time and time again but you see it so much with different sports teams where if they lose a key player or something big happens or there's a tough loss or something like that it can not just deflate the team or the season but it's hard to bounce back because everyone's looking at each other like well what do we do now like where do we go who fills in and there's uncertainty but Peterson has done such a good job of no matter what hurdle it is no matter who it is whether it's Hicks or Sproles or Jason Peters or Carson Wentz no matter what happens to that team there's that unified belief where they believe so much in the coach where you've got offensive linemen wanting to go for it on fourth down. There's no fractures. There's no disagreement. And the biggest thing for me, which says it all, is if you look a year ago, you had Nigel Bradham and two you know, police incidents, one with an umbrella. Nelson Aguilar was in a strip club being convicted of things. You had Josh Huff being pulled over for DUIs. There has not been one single off-the-field incident with this team. And if that doesn't scream culture change, I don't know what will. And, and this team loves to be with each other, too. And, and that's been just very well seen throughout the course of the year. You know, you talked about Doug Peterson and, and changing the culture. And obviously, that, that's played a major role. But on the field, in the games, what do you think has been the key to this such a quick turnaround from 7-9 and nine to one game away from the Super Bowl for this team? I think the infusion of talent is certainly a huge thing. And I've just done a, a piece recently on Joe Douglas and the impact he's had. But when you look at whether it's Tim Jernigan, whether it's Olshon Jeffrey, the amount of prove-it deals like Patrick Robinson and the Garrett Blunt, which have been fundamental to the success this season, it's having that veteran presence. Chris Long was another one. And really being able to rotate those guys through and mentor the next generation. So even when you lose Ronald Darby, knowing that, you have Rasul Douglas there who can kind of lean on Malcolm Jenkins behind him or lean on Rodney McLeod. There's just been such a confidence in the players around them and the culture they have where they're going, all right, we don't have to be hesitant anymore. You're seeing more third down attempts and those long X play passes. It's been phenomenal. And I think Nelson Aguilar is probably the best example of that. For him to come back and have the season he's had, if, if that doesn't say the amount of belief that this team has in themselves, it's no longer a case of, this player is this good, that player is that good. It's this team, you know? Like, they still haven't had a 1,000-yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin, but the way that they spread that ball around, how every single receiver is dangerous, it's phenomenal, and it's so rare to see that. It's like watching the Golden State Warriors. That's a great point. We're talking with Liam Jenkins from phillysportsnetwork.com. Liam, you know, you talked about this influx of talent, and I think a lot of people hesitated saying that there would be this quick turnaround because sometimes it's tough to acclimate these guys and get everybody on the same page. And obviously, Doug has had a role in that. But how much of the character of these guys plays a role in the fact that they were able to do this so quickly to be where they are right now? It's huge. And I think that's what Joe Douglas brought to the table. It's knowing that they fundamentally changed the way they evaluated talent and they evaluated players there. Um, the best example of that, Doriel Green-Beckham cut within inside a few weeks of training camp, was falling over and dropping passes. It wasn't about kind of this, OK, well, he's talented and we paid him, that's it. It's If they don't want it wholeheartedly, if they're not a part of what they want to build, then they're gone. And all of a sudden, the, the Bryce Traggs and the Doriel Green-Beckhams are replaced with Matt Collins, who led the Eagles in yards per reception on average this year. It's just that 
motivation, that underdog mentality, and even someone like Fletcher Cox, the $100 million man, to be so angry with the outside noise. Verlaine Johnson, the best right tackle in the league, arguably, who's with this team now for five more years with his huge contract extension, to come out wearing an underdog mask. They believe so much in themselves, and it just spreads. It's infectious. And I think that the production you're seeing is a, almost the culmination of the raw talent they have mixed with that, that self-belief and the unity in the locker room. It's just been the most incredible story. All right, well, let's, let's delve into this game three days away. It's, it's like it can't get here quick enough. These days are just moving so damn slow. But uh, <laughs> when, when you look at this game, let's, let's first start at the quarterback position. You have two guys in Case Keenum and Nick Foles who at the beginning of the year were not in the roles that they're in right now. You have two guys who were on the Rams together with Case Keenum backing up Nick Foles and then eventually, I guess, taking over for him. What do you see from this matchup from both, both players? I think Keenum's probably perhaps one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league at this point, just because he's got that reputation of, it's almost like the Jeff Fisher reputation, that kind of he stagnated in LA, his time before that obviously was given a few opportunities, and then after that he's landed here. But what Pat Shermer and the Vikings have done so well is really acclimate that offense and adapt it to Keenum's strong suit. Because originally, of course, that system was for Sam Bradford, who Shermer had spent extensive time with. So what we've seen now is Keenum, a guy who can move around the pocket. He's excellent on play action. And he's had so much more time with those receivers, with Adam Thielen, who, of course, was you know undrafted and now has been able to spend time with Case Keenum, blooming through the offseason and end up here. And I think that's going to be the biggest X factor. Now, we've seen the likes of Nick Foles really starting to gel with Zach Ertz, as he did in 2013, and gel with Ocean Jeffrey, and really kind of bond with those guys and build the confidence. But Keenum's had that all season long. He's had that confidence in Stefan Diggs. He's had the confidence in the tight ends. And I think that's going to be the thing, with even though that the link will be pouring with noise, it may even set a new decibel <laughs> record, you never know. I think that this Vikings offense has become so productive and so well-bonded where Nick Foles, there's still those weak links. You know, he's only been a starting quarterback for a while. He missed all of the offseason. And we all know he's got it in him. We've seen the big games. But Case Keenum has been nearly faultless all season long. And he's had that much more time in the offense. The Eagles are having to kind of simplify things. And that, for a quarterback, isn't great. But at the end of the day, it's what moves the ball. And if they want this to be a defensive showdown, then that's going to be a, an entirely different debate. Talk with Liam Jenkins. Now, Liam, you know, obviously the Vikings defense has been well talked about. They're the best in the league. They've been that way pretty much the entire season. But when I look at this game, it's very similar to the way I looked at last week's game for the Eagles. I look at the trenches. Who's, who wins the battle in the trenches wins the game. I thought the Eagles did that last week for the most part. And I look at this Eagles offensive line, and I wonder, and I'm not saying that they're going to shut down the Vikings defense because it's just not going to happen, but has the Vikings defense gone up against an offensive line that has guys like Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks who have given up very few sacks, guys like Stefan Wisniewski and, and Jason Kelsey, I mean, do the Eagles have enough firepower in that offensive line to somewhat neutralize that defensive line to give the, the rest of the offense a chance to get moving a little bit? It's certainly doable. And I think for me, when you look back at the opponents that they have played, Baltimore are a good example. I think perhaps even you know the Panthers who are actually able to beat them. And a lot of that game, when you take a look back at the highlights and you know some of the X-Factor plays, is that even though Cam Newton wasn't his most accurate, 
Jonathan Stewart had a 100-yard game, and I think uh, Christian McCaffrey was excellent kind of in the screen game as well. The Eagles are going to be reliant on screens and those versatile backs, and what the offensive line do better than anyone else in the league, in my opinion, is set them up. Brandon Brooks is a human truck. You've got Lane Johnson, who's more guys around. And, of course, Jason Kelsey has almost got the speed of a running back the way he gets to the second level. The main concern for the Eagles is going to be Everson Griffin. And, of course, they're going to try and line him up mm-hmm. over Halepu Levati Vaitai. And that may be the toughest matchup of the afternoon. However, I think if the Eagles can get the ball out quick and they can really kind of tap into that Chip Kelly mentality, the Vikings can't get there quick enough because anything from Wisniewski inwards to the right-hand side is going to be a favour of the Eagles in terms of a matchup. It's just trying to give Foles as much time in the pocket as possible or get the ball out quick. But I think a lot of screens and a lot of runs and the battle of the trenches is going to be won offensively for the Eagles. So the other question I have is everyone's talking about Minnesota's defence and locally in the Philadelphia area, uh, you know, websites like yours who cover the Eagles they they talk about the Eagles defense, but nationally, I feel like the Eagles defense is almost being under undervalued, under discussed, and I don't think people take into account that this team has given up fifteen points or less than fifteen points a game at home this season, and they've just been an un as I said, an impenetrable force at home this season. You know, yes, the Vikings defense is great, but the Eagles defense is pretty damn good themselves, aren't they? Yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest step-ups of the season, especially in the secondary as well. When you look at last year, you know, it almost pains me. If you just say the name's Laredis McKelvin and Nolan Carroll, <laughs> it brings back like PTSD. Yeah. You know, it was so bad. And we've gone from that in the space of one year to Rasul Douglas, who had to step up when Ronald Darby was injured. Jalen Mills has come on leaps and bounds from a seventh round pick and a rookie a year ago to now being a, a number one cornerback, essentially. It gives the Eagles confidence. They've mastered this off coverage. And when you insert someone like Tim Jernigan to take that pressure off of Fletcher Cox, where he doesn't have to deal with double teams as much, this pass rush and the rotations have just been ruthless. Every single game, no one's able to keep up. And even when you lose Jordan Hicks, I think Nigel Bradham's had a brilliant season. And Michael Kendricks uh, may be the defensive equivalent of Nelson Aguilar. Mm -hmm. To have a comeback year in the way he has has been huge for this defense. But... That Jim Schwartz mentality, the motor never stops. It's one play at a time. And especially for someone like Mills, who in his rookie season was so emotional. It was a lot of finger wagging, a lot of beating himself up if things didn't go his way. This season, it's one play at a time. If he gives up a big play, he's back out there the next minute and he's batting balls away. But it's just been a complete shift in momentum. And they're feeling it. And when you've got the Link fans behind them, and you know, fan, you know the offense can't do a hard count, it's going to be advantage Eagles defense again. And you're just going to see a flurry of, I think, sacks and quarterback hits if Keenan can't get that ball out quick. Staying on a defensive topic, I think we know because we see the Eagles so much what teams have done successfully against the Eagles defense. What do the Eagles have to do? How do they have to attack the Minnesota defense? Like they did a lot of RPOs last week, but now Minnesota's going to have the film on that and they're, they're going to be ready for that. What do you believe is the recipe for success for this Eagles offense on Sunday night? It's keeping it simple. And that's going to be probably the toughest thing to do as well because it is so tempting. But for me, it's getting Olshon Jeffrey involved. Um, I broke both games down last year where he lined up against Xavier Rhodes for the Chicago Bears. And it's going to be probably the most exciting matchup of the year for me. 
and seeing the way Jeffrey moves, it's getting off that line. Rhodes is a guy who wants to punch at the line of scrimmage, who wants that advantage to disrupt the timing of the route. And if you're running short routes like the Eagles tend to do, lots of screens and slants with Nick Foles at the helm just to keep the ball moving, Rhodes is going to be all over that. He's not going to let someone through. They have to try and run as much Olshon Jeffrey outside as possible, get him going vertical and comebacks. If they can keep Minnesota guessing, that's the key. Because if they know it's RPO, if they know how to stop the running backs and they can just pin Rhodes on Olshon Jeffrey and then the other side of things, obviously keep one of their all-pro safeties overlooking the top side, it's going to be tough because it's going to become a game of, right, who wants to take a shot first? And Nick Foles throwing downfield hasn't exactly been the most exciting sign so far this season. So if they can keep it guessing and just have enough where if you're expecting that big shot on play action, then you dump it off. Get a giant moving the chains early and often. Just keep Minnesota on edge. If they start stacking the box, take advantage. They can't just rely on the same RPOs all the time because, as you said, they are going to come knocking at the door. And it's down to Nick Foles to control that with his eyes and to keep rotating the ball around and spreading it as much as possible. You know, you mentioned the there's um Rhodes Alshon Jeffrey matchup and and I know that you were doing a lot of looking into that and the jam and everything. Can you just go into more detail about what you saw from that matchup when you were looking at film and, and things that took place last year? Yeah, and the biggest misconception is a lot of people right now are saying that Alshon Jeffrey decimated the Vikings when he was in Chicago, but he didn't dominate Xavier Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I think in the first game he had sixty three yards, in the second game he had ten, but it was only week seventeen. The big thing with both of them is that they both like to win at the line of scrimmage. So, Olshon Jeffrey wants to get that first step and get that momentum on the outside, whereas Rhodes wants to jam it and disrupt. He's not a guy who likes sitting back in off coverage or trying to guess routes like the Eagles do. He wants to be man-on-man with his receiver and just causing havoc. Jeffrey is a, a mentally tough player, and the one thing where he has an advantage over Rhodes is if he can avoid contact, if he can brush that arm off, he can get an outside step first or what he does better than most receivers is that quick twitchy footwork just a quick double step a quick jake or a juke and xavier rhodes is gonna bite eventually and it's just working away but this is a matchup that can go either way and it's probably the most as i say the most exciting of the season because if rhodes is in zone he's a ball hawk threat he's really a, a fundamental run tackler so expect i think a few cornerback blitzes and we saw that a few times this season from Minnesota as well. The key for Olshon Jeffrey, though, is just trying to win at the line. It's can he get that first step? And even if it takes six or seven slants in a row to do it, eventually he's going to bite, and that's when Foles has got to shake it up and take that shot. Speaking with Liam Jenkins from phillysportsnetwork.com, Liam, you know, one of the other matchups won't be guys playing. It's going to be the guys on the sidelines with the headsets, and that's Mike Zimmer and, and uh, Doug Peterson. Just talk about what, what you're excited to see from that matchup and, and the chess game that will probably go on between those two. For me, I really want to see how Mike Zimmer gets on with things because, obviously, it's a hostile environment now. He's coming off of the emotional victory where players weren't even talking to the media. They were just running around saying they can't believe it. It's how do you rally guys to take that sensationalism, that emotion out of it and go, right, we've got a game this week. For the Eagles as underdogs, that's almost a little bit easier to do because it's almost that next game up mentality. I think for the key for the Vikings is going to be how effective can they get the running backs to be. This is the best run defense in football. They do not give up an inch. And for the Vikings, it's they do not want Case Keenan marginalized or having to take shots downfield or challenge a secondary that isn't afraid to jump up and make a play on the ball as they were a year ago. If they can take 
the Vikings running backs out of the equation, they can stuff the trenches and force those downhill runners to go outside, then it's going to be advantage Eagles. From Doug Peterson's standpoint, I think what they did brilliantly last week was really shake a lot of things that they brought in some new looks we haven't seen. Like, you know, we had Nelson Aguilar running sweeps, which never worked under Chip Kelly, but here we are. And it's really just seeing what else new they can bring in. What have they not done this season? For me, pistol formations is something different. Or having those split backfields where we have not seen two running backs side by side with Nick Foles, yet they've practiced it through training camp. They did it in OTAs. Something like that, where we know they're capable, but the Vikings aren't going to suspect it because they're trying to simplify this offense. It's going to be a true coaching chess match. And I think whoever wins is going to be a very, very deserving winner. You're not going to see someone who maybe is, you know, kind of luckily won this game. It's going to be hard for either way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, t- you talk about the Vikings miracle and coming down off that high and, and how people just couldn't believe it happened. A stat came out today, yesterday, something like that, where the four or five times in the playoffs where there had been a walk-off score to win a game, the following week that team has lost, and in many of those situations have lost pretty badly. How much stock do you put into a stat like that or or, you know, something that comes out like that for this game this week? It's worth noting because it's not just probably one of the most miraculous plays in NFL history. But now it sends them to the NFC Championship game. It's you know if you look at the you know the Super Bowl play a couple of years ago with the end zone interception, that was ended after that. That was the season over. Mm-hmm. It was done. That's the end of all things. And the Patriots have then a year to kind of move on from it. The Vikings have got a week to come down off of this huge emotional high where it's almost like we wouldn't be there if we didn't make that play. And that's the other way of looking at it. The Eagles earned every bit of ground they had. The Vikings were 17 nothing up and very almost lost that game to the Saints. It's having to rally it back now. And it's, that's going to be the true test for the coaches. It's keeping those players grounded and knowing that if they come into the Eagles and they don't fire straight away or they lack confidence or it's a little bit of the jitters, then this is an Eagles defense that's going to punish you. It's going to not stand for complacency. And the stat is so worth noting because it's the most incredible. It's, imagine kind of... If you get promoted at job one week and then the next day you're at a national meeting with the head of like one of the biggest companies in the world, you're on such a high one minute, you're probably not thinking properly about what lies ahead. And maybe you take a night off to party or you visit friends or family to celebrate and all of that time preparing for the much bigger picture is going to hurt against you. And I think that's what the Vikings have got to try and battle. Liam, just a couple more questions for you. First of all, I know that uh, as you were preparing to come on here, you were putting out an article saying Howie Roseman should really be thanking Joe Douglas a lot. Why don't you uh, just, obviously you want to send everybody over to phillysportsnetwork.com to read the article, but just go into what your thought process was uh, putting that out there. It's been the biggest change of the offseason, and it was one of the first appointments the Eagles made was bringing over Joe Douglas. And you look at some of the key acquisitions on this team, his handprints are all over them. So not only did he change the way that the Eagles set up a draft board, so Joe Douglas made the entire draft board. So Harry Roseman made the final call, but Douglas decided who that call was out of, so to speak. But when you look at free agents, all of a sudden the Eagles are making prove-it contract a thing, which never happened before. And the players they've brought in have all been phenomenally impressive. You've got Olshon Jeffrey and Tim Jernigan, both had ties to Douglas in Chicago and Baltimore. Now they've got huge extensions and are with the team for the foreseeable future. Danelle Ellaby, even, who spent time with Joe Douglas as well, was brought in when Jordan Hicks went down. He's become a huge threat 
as a run stopper for the Eagles. And then in the draft, I mean, there's been one player who's not contributed, and that's Danelle Pumphrey. Aside from that, Barnett had five sacks. Corey Clement, as an undrafted rookie, has been incredibly productive. The cornerbacks have been great. There's been no weak spot. There's been no bad move after a first year. Normally, we, with this Eagles team, we're used to going, oh, well, that was bad. We, you know, we shouldn't have accepted that. But, but you're not seeing that with Joe Douglas. Everything is so calm and composed, and there's a method behind every move where they're now looking beyond the stats, and it's about the character of the player. And that completely knocks on to what we see on the field and the culture within that locker room. Of course, he spent time with Mike Grower as well, the wide receivers coach. He's been a huge factor in developing Nelson Aguilar. He's just had so many handprints across this roster that without him, I don't think Rosen would have won that award. Speaking with Liam Jenkins, Liam, before we let you go, uh, two more questions for you. One is about next season, and I'm sure that you are ecstatic at the news that your beloved Eagles will be on their way over to you uh, oh, yeah. to, play, to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just talk a little bit about what type of environment that would be and uh, you know what the Eagles fan base is like over there and all that kind of stuff. It's a strange one because the NFL is purposely trying to push the Jags as a home team in the UK to the point where if you, you shop at NFL.com or somewhere like that, if you're based in the UK, you get Jaguars UK email lists. So about flag football they do and events and players that come over. The Jags are the UK's team, somehow. And over the last few <laughs> years, um, they keep sending them over. And the big thing to note is that they're winning by each game by a larger margin because they've dealt with the travel, they've seen the sights, they know how to handle it, they know when to practice. And the biggest thing we saw with the Dolphins this year with the Saints is that they couldn't. In terms of the actual atmosphere at Wembley, Wembley's an amazing stadium, but it's kind of interesting how the UK fans take to it because when the NFL first come over we're so used to seeing fans screaming and trying to disrupt the offense the UK's not like that so when you've got two teams kind of playing there's just you know neutral fans so no one really knows how to react it's very quiet it's a little bit creepy and you almost take that noise for granted but now we're seeing a more vocal fan base and teams want to go and see their team and obviously the more teams you have over as coverage increases fans do as well so I think the only way you attract fans is by stars. I don't think it's going to be a home field for the Eagles by any stretch, but there's certainly going to be a lot of Carson Wentz jerseys in the stadium. Well, I, I want to see you put together a, 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 a fan section out there. I, that's what I want to see. I wish I could come out there. I wish my financial situation would allow me to come out there and help you with it. But, you know, we'll talk to you obviously next year when that's getting ready. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you guys are real excited at that. But, uh, Liam, be before I let you go, I got to do it. It's the, the dreaded idea of making a prediction. How you feel oh, no. about Sunday? And, and do you see the Eagles following Minnesota back to Minneapolis to play in the Super Bowl? 100%. I, I really do. And I think it's because, again, despite the disrespect they were showing a week ago, they're still a field goal underdogs against this Vikings mm -hmm. team, which, as you say, they're coming off that emotional win. And the statistic there speaks for itself. I think this Eagles team's grounded. I think Nick Foles is building confidence. And the players aren't nervous. They're not going, oh, my God, we're so excited. Like, we never thought we'd be here. They knew since day one they were capable. And the sheer depth of this team was on display. When you lose so many key pieces, this isn't a team that's going to go away. And I really think the Eagles are going to make a very firm step. Do you know what? I'll go one further. I wouldn't be surprised if it's an Eagles blowout. <laughs> wow. 
That would make us all very happy here. It would make all you guys happy. Liam Jenkins from phillysportsnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Liam Jenkins 21. Liam, as always, man, it's a pleasure. And uh, enjoy Sunday, and hopefully we're all celebrating all over the world come Sunday night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right. Liam Jenkins. Great stuff. He's predicting an Eagles win and wouldn't be surprised at a blowout. A blowout. A blowout. And I wouldn't be surprised either. I wouldn't be surprised either. Now, we have to make this a bit of an abbreviated show uh, this week. Um, as I've said to you guys multiple times on here, I, I coach basketball and we got games. The freshmen are playing right now and JV games in about a half hour. So I get myself back down to the wonderful Gloucester City, New Jersey and get ready to coach my boys up and hopefully another win. Get us a 7-4 on the season. Uh, but before we do that, we do have a couple of TSJ Madness mailbag questions. Not a lot this week. Um, and there is one that is extremely goofy, but I would expect nothing less from, from my former co-host, Todd Ekman, on the show. Um, he tweets me, hey, TSJ Madness, if the moon were made of barbecue spare ribs, would you eat it? Give me the fork. Give me the bib. Give me the knife. Don't matter. I don't, I don't. Yes. Yes, I will, because there's nothing better in this world than a nice spare rib. Happened to have them last night with no barbecue sauce. I'm trying to um, bring my sexy back, I guess you would say. So, But yes, I, w- I would absolutely do that. Someone said if it was a McRib, would I? No, I do not trust ribs from McDonald's or anywhere where ribs should not be sold. Uh, we did get one other one from at Aaron Bearden 80, 93, excuse me, and he says, what would the f- fine folks... It seems a little sarcastic with there, but what would the fine folks in Philadelphia do if they were to lose to the Vikings in similarly sim, wow, similarly heartbreaking fashion to the Saints? He said, from an outsider's perspective, I've always been told the town's fan base is fairly toxic as is. I'm curious how they would react. Well, as you are an outsider, and and, and most outsiders will tell you that we're just these awful human beings, and they, you know that's why. You, you get that. We're not as toxic as you think. But how would we react to a loss like that? Well, there's a couple different ways that we'll react. There's a couple different ways. First of all, I think many, 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 many people would say, that's a Philadelphia loss if I've ever seen one. Okay? I think that 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 reaction comes out. I think just utter disbelief and depression will set in through many, many, many other people. And I look at this and say, there will be some toxic people who take to rage and aggression, especially, and and I would hate it. I would hate it. You know, there's been a lot of talk that the Vikings fans are going to take over the link, which is just absolute nonsense. It's comical that they actually think they can do that. Uh, There's no chance of that happening, but there will be some Vikings fans there, and I just really hope that, you know, there's no uh, violence. But I don't want to talk negatives. I don't want to talk negatives because I don't believe that's what's going to happen. Okay? I don't believe that's what's going to happen. The Eagles are going to win this game. I'll get to my score there in a minute. Let's go with my predictions right here. Patriots, Jags. Everybody's high on the Jags right now, right? 45 points against... Against Pittsburgh, their defense is great. Their defense gave up 42 points last week, and that wasn't the Tom Brady. And they're not going to score 45 points in January in the AFC Championship game against New England. New England's going to win this game. Jacksonville might keep it close, but New England's going to win this game. 
Eagles, Vikings, two even teams. It's going to be the trenches. And I'm telling you, home field is going to matter this week. Because the Eagles are going to score not one, not two, but three touchdowns and the field goal. The Eagles are putting 24 points on the board this week. I guarantee it. And they're giving up under 15. The Eagles are going to win 24-13. It's going to be tight most of the game. But the Eagles are going to win this game 24-13. And ladies and gentlemen, we are going to the bowl, baby. We are going to the bowl. If the Eagles are on a bye next week, I might be on a bye next week. But we'll see. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the NFC Championship. Enjoy the win. And we'll talk about it later. Everybody have a great week. Go Birds. Finish this off. Embrace the madness, everyone. Have a good week.